Howdy. Uh, welcome to uh, episode 90, 90, episode 90 of the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger, and returning and joining me as always is the aide-de-camp, Brian Grimm. Hey, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. Great to be with you. Hey, how was Coachella? Oh, man. I tell you what, you take you take two years off because of the pandemic, and then they didn't skip a beat. They really know how to throw a party out there in the desert. Uh, did you uh, did you see Vanessa Hudgens? See her. We had a great time together. All right. Well, um, so so Brian hasn't been with us for a little while because of uh, Coachella. Uh, and, and how long until Burning Man, Brian? Um, that one's still up in the air. I'm not sure if I'm going to attend this year. Uh, uh, last couple of times, I just had a bad experience. <laughs> well, you're going to have to decide before you update your steampunk uh, gear. I know it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for my uh, walking art projects to, to come together. Um, not really to want to talk about design just yet but we'll see all just right think, yeah just just think the largest submarine you've ever seen <laughs> well that would be yeah but on land okay uh joining us we have a special guest uh paul southern he is among other things the uh, uh merchandise model for the <laughs> line of uh, uh managing expectations t-shirts uh howdy paul hey how's it going thank you um yes we wanted <laughs> we understand that particularly after i did a solo episode we needed to class this thing up and fast so how do you do that you get you get a brit i think i think although jeff what you should use is my official title which is your wife's niece's husband <laughs> uh, you are my wife's niece's husband i see I, I i was prepared for this i was prepared for this but because but because my wife's niece is such a fragile flower such a delicate artistic soul um she's my niece and her husband is my nephew and uh <laughs> nothing's ever gone wrong by having an overly sentimentalized vision of family no, not in no, my experience no. yeah no. history is littered with how well that's going <laughs> i didn't it, even it, hear the last part of that but you had me at history is littered yeah <laughs> paul paul are you wearing the new the latest version of the uh, managing expectations tea is that is that the heavier cotton no i got the original uh lightweight texas special cotton <laughs> perfect for hot humid 90 degree days such as today oh okay pa paul's of a particularly age cohort that's more comfortable in a smedium than the <laughs> than those of us uh who 
who have gone over to the jowly side. Like, like jowls are the problem. Yeah, I just can't get my jowls through the head opening of the t-shirt. Other than that, this is the comment I see re most regularly on the uh, managing expectations subreddit feed, actually. So yeah, it's good that we're able to address this. Yeah, but we're selling some merch. People are digging the design. Big, big face. Yeah. yeah. That's the winner. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm very excited. Very excited. Uh, so we should say at the outset that um, uh, we do have a new sponsor for the Managing Expectations podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Swiss banks. Uh, having said uh, no thanks to Russian oligarch money, uh, they are they are willing to uh, do business with just about anybody. So uh, in the market for, uh, you know, a place to put your billion or so shady funds, check out our sponsors, Swiss banks. Brian, why have you been gesticulating wildly in the negative? Well, you said Russian oligarch money, and I was like, we don't want any part of that. Yeah, no. Uh, it, it turns out that uh, cursory listening to uh, like the previous uh, 75 podcasts uh, <laughs> have gotten me on uh, several Russian lists. <laughs> By the way, I started, so I started reading a uh book about the battle of kursk which is the largest tank battle in history i mean there's only been tanks for you know whatever 100 years or you know give or take and um you know it's not like the vietnamese had a lot of tanks they did have some soviet made tanks but um um yeah, it was so anyway, but you know what it was it's a military history so it's all about like strategy and stuff like that and really it reminded me of that great bit in uh, Hunt for Red October, where they're on the ship and um, Sean Connery asks Alec Baldwin, what books, and he says, uh, I, I'm sorry, he says, you said you wrote books what books, he says, uh, I wrote a book called. Uh, uh, the Fighting Sailor about Admiral Halsey. Uh, he's like, Ryan, I know this book. Your conclusions were all wrong. Halsey acted stupidly. <laughs> and in the meantime, a torpedo was bearing down on them. <laughs> yeah, but you got to have something to talk about while you're closing the distance. That's right. Yep. Exactly. All you've seen Hunt for Red October? Yes. Okay, yeah. good. Well, you can be well, you can be on this show. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. can stay. Otherwise <laughs> I mean if you haven't seen Red October, do you even watch movies? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's classic. Sean Connery's Russian accent is an all-time top top three accents, I think. You know, he played a Russian. Okay, so he played he played a Russian in Red October. He was in a disaster movie in the late 70s called Meteor. He played a Russian scientist who fell in love with uh, Natalie Wood. This is before she, and I'm doing scare quotes, um, had her boating accident with her husband, R.J. Wagner and um, Chris Christopher Walken. Uh, it seemed like he played 
a Russian one other time. He, he, yeah, he played. Russia, Russia House. No, he was English in that. No. Yeah. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer was Russian. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He played Boozy Barley Blair. Okay. Once again, we play our dangerous game <laughs> with, with our old adversary. I feel bad now because I'm the only one that's not talking in an accent. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever felt like uh, when somebody says, oh, I love your accent, you, have you found yourself thinking, I don't have an accent, all of you do? Yeah, that, that's certainly one of my thoughts. Um, the, me the, the, the main thought initially when someone says this is, what accent do you think I have? Because nine times out of ten, I get Australian. Really? In Texas, especially. Yeah. Not so much when we were up in Chicago. Um, most people, maybe because it's a bit more cosmopolitan, were fine, kind of figured it pretty quick that I was English. Um, but yeah, here down in uh, good old Texas, yeah, I would say the majority of the time. Or Scottish, weird, which is really weird to me because Scottish is so different to how I sound, in my head at least. Yeah, I, you seem pretty English to me. Yeah, but the, it's because I think as well the area I'm from has a real neutral accent for English people. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 break that down. So you're you're not from London. You're from north of London. I am. Yes. So I'm you don't have to. Some people get on the managing expectations podcast, and perhaps having some familiarity with uh, our number of listeners, feel yeah. feel that they can share all sorts of personal data with impunity. Yeah. Uh, no. So I was gonna, I was just going to share my parents' address. It's not mine, so that's not a problem. <laughs> 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 yeah so the, the easiest way to describe it is i'm if you looked at a map of england i'm pretty much bang in the center of the country about 90 miles 100 miles north of london okay so that's kind of far yeah for, for uk terms absolutely um we we tend to we tend to consider anything more than sort of five miles we have to seriously consider if we need to maybe take a packed lunch with us for the journey something like that a flask uh, we don't like to go very far at all. <laughs> Whereas obviously here in the States, every journey seems to be about a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. As I get older, the less I am, I am more and more reluctant to, I mean, if, okay, so I live in a northern suburb of Dallas and if I've, and uh, so 635, circles the 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 city city and if if i've got to cross 635 i mean i want to pack you know extra water sandwiches you just don't know what you're going to get into flare gun <laughs> um uh Okay, so are, are you near? Um, Shakespeare was from Stratford, right? Or yeah. that's where you live? Stratford, Stratford upon Avon. So that is, I would say, about a 30 minute drive from where, where I grew up. So not, not far, 
okay. castle. And yeah. is, that, is, that, is, is that farm country uh, that's north of London? Um, no, uh, there are cities, yeah. So where I lived was right next to what we call the second city, so the second largest city in the UK, uh, which ironically is not much bigger than Fort Worth, for example. Uh, what city is it? What's the second largest city? Birmingham, or Birmingham, as it would be called over here. Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. You say it with a proper accent. Yeah, we would say, yeah. Like in Alabama, it's definitely Birmingham. Exactly. Or there's the next city across to the east from us is we call it Leicester. And every American I have met has called it Leicester. Hicks. So, you know, my, my, my main goal while, like, while we're here in the States is just to try and educate as much as possible, you know, teach the Queen's English where I can. Uh, and not get shot in the process. <laughs> I, you're doing a great job today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've actually seen I've actually seen Shakespeare's birthplace as it is listed. At least it's still preserved in Stratford, tiny, tiny little Tudor Tudor house. Yeah, no, I would think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thatch roof and stuff it probably was back in the day yeah it's been been converted now i guess because of easier to maintain yeah with the top with the tile but um but yeah so stratford is a small small town i would say population in the sort of tens of thousands max okay all right uh so then you you married you married an american girl and now you and now you're um, in Texas. Uh, yeah. You you drive a truck that's I worth do. more than my life. <laughs> so, is 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 this okay? So, um, uh, is it? I guess the question is: Have you always thought that that was cool, or um, and like? Yeah, if I ever get a chance, I want I I want a huge engine that goes really fast <laughs> and can tow all sorts of things. So so this is the interesting thing that when I speak to Americans about, they are fascinated that this is the case. There is definitely a subculture in the UK that is like absolutely amazed with the whole American car scene. So whether it be the trucks, the muscle cars, you know, the fact that you'll stick a V8 in pretty much anything that goes is just amazing to us. When we're driving around in little 1.6 three-cylinder vehicles. O Opals? <laughs> ah, not even an Opal, it's called a Vauxhall. The Opal is the European version. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. and where, I mean, where, where do you go to open it up. I mean, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to drive fast. Yeah. Um, so you have to go to Germany. Definitely the Germany if you want to do it properly. Yeah. But, but is there uh, any place in England? Um, not legally. Uh, you could always, there's always the highways in the same way there is sort of here. 
if you if you wanted to see how fast it would go. You could do a track day. Track days are very popular in the UK, both for cars and motorbikes. Um, so a lot of people go and do those. So particularly if you buy a high-end sports car, maybe you buy something like a Mustang or a, a high-end Corvette or Camaro, they would use those on like a, a track to try and re really open it up. So yeah, so for me, I was never really that bothered about getting a truck until when we came over for our wedding four years ago, we got a Dodge Ram, which I later came to learn was the vehicle of the hooligan in the, in the US. The, the, so, the big way? The, the vehicle of the hooligan in the US. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I can tell you that in Colorado, like if somebody's driving a lifted Dodge Ram, yeah, uh, they're probably driving like a jerk. So um, I think you guys will appreciate yeah, this. Yeah, hoo hoo hooligan isn't the word we use. Degenerate. <laughs> um, think <laughs> too many syllables. <laughs> think, think more Guy Ritchie. Think more Guy Ritchie vocabulary. So, so I saw some when when the gas prices went through the roof recently. Um, I saw a, I saw a quote online. I think you guys would appreciate. It said, "You can tell gas prices are high because the guys in the lifted Dodge Rams aren't rev revving their engine for their mating calls in the Walmart parking lots at the moment." <laughs> <laughs> um. So when um, I can't. I, I, I can't remember the details, but I ended up uh, having to drive back from um, my mother-in-law's house and we had to get a, I, I think what the deal was, was uh, my wife was going to be staying for a while. We had driven out together and then I rented a car to come back um, and they gave me a a Dodge Ram uh, truck. And uh, uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty smooth. I mean, boy, I could just be going 90 miles an hour and come up on a guy's bumper without even thinking about it. And then I had to like, stop and think, Oh, you're becoming that guy. Yeah. So, so one of the things I, you, you know, uh, okay. So the Scottish band, uh, big country, had a big hit about in a big country. And I don't know if Scotland actually passes for a big country, um, but uh, I, I know that it's a common, um, it's a common complaint in, in Europe. And I would certainly think that this would be true on the Emerald Isle that you really can't go five kilometers in any direction without coming to another village or town. Is, it, is that about right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's probably probably generous, actually. Um, I'd say it's even, even less than that. Um, yeah, so certainly in the UK, even more so. Then you get into somewhere like Germany, it's a little bit more spread out. Spain as well, I've driven through Spain once before, and that was very some large areas that were quite sparse but nothing compared to here we, we we drove down from when we moved from chicago down to down to texas and yeah there was just like miles upon miles upon miles of just 
nothing, absolutely nothing at all, which was amazing to me. Very uh, different. I, I could see that from uh okay, so do, do you have a problem being being English? Do you have a or, or British? Uh do you have a problem being called European? Or <laughs> are they uh no, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Um okay. no, it's I think it's it's a funny thing. Britons have always had this very strange relationship with European when it was part of the uh, the European Union. They always like to think of themselves as well. We're kind of a part of it, but we're not really right. Even though they actually were. Um, For example, they always used the pounds the pound sterling and didn't um, n- never use the euro. Right? No, that's it. And and never fully moved across to kilometers and centimeters and all the rest of it britain decided to do this weird hybrid thing where they measure everything in miles um your height is in feet and inches but then when you come to build a house it's all in centimeters millimeters and meters so yeah. and, then, and then your weight would be in stone right that's it stone stone and pounds yeah how much is a stone uh, i want to say 15 16 pounds that it what 15 or 16 i think 16 i i I gotta hang on let me get my calculator i want to find out how many stone i am um when we it's been many years ago we were in germany and with with lovely friends um well they were friends of friends but they became you know i mean we had a great time visiting them um but he uh, so so two things uh he we called him Bavarian Bob. He was from, Bav- his name was Bob and he was from Bavaria. I mean, if, in case anybody's wondering about, you know, how we came up with this really clever nickname. <laughs> so he loved Greece because everything in Germany was green all the time and it made him crazy. And so he's like, it was like so awesome. He goes, in, Gre- in Greece, you could just kick the ground and dust just fell everywhere um uh, we got we got introduced to uh, bavarian bob through uh, uh brian uh our mutual friend larry larry oh cool yeah and then what was his other thing oh and he just talked about how it felt um uh tight you know because you couldn't go i mean and apparently what the autobahn is is different i mean the autobahn is i mean races through forest and yeah and it's only it's only unrest- only fully unrestricted in certain sections i think um so i mean these large sections don't get me wrong but yeah and the the great thing is you can be going down there at 150 and you still won't be the fastest thing on the on the highway. There'll be German locals coming up as close to your bumper as they can, flashing their lights, wanting you to move out of the way, and then they race off down the highway. So yeah, um, it's fun. If the, if the Germans <laughs> ever get Dodge Ram trucks, <laughs> why, be careful, Poland. <laughs> why do you? Th- Okay, so so uh, in his 1986 book, The Reckoning, about uh, Ford and Nissan and 
uh, the auto automobile industry and how Japan became the industrial leader of the world. Um, uh, David Halberstam talked about how small trucks, small pickup trucks uh, became a deal in the States because people who worked on a farm or in a factory wanted to be able to like, you know, whatever, go to the hardware store. There were, it was a very practical thing. Um, but it's never, it's never really caught on uh, across the Atlantic. I, I mean, do you, do you see, I mean, I mean, you, so you have like big delivery trucks. Yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we, we've never really had, I mean, to get something like a Ram or an F-150, the only way to get one is to import it as a left-hand drive in the UK. And ironically, not far from where we lived, someone had a Dodge Ram. Um, and it just looks so out of proportion on, on European roads because they're so small and so narrow. This, this big, hulking American truck takes up, you know, three quarters of the road. Um, so they, they use, like, we get the, for example, like the tacoma size truck okay. or the Ford, Ford Ranger. You get, you get that size of truck. Um, but they are predominantly used by people for work, not as an everyday. Okay. Okay. And, and sprinter vans, which we're seeing more commonly here in the States, those started in, in Europe, right? And exactly. Yeah. And, and we, we had those all the time. Um, and they're, they're everywhere. The sprinters and the, the Ford Transit is, was, is, was and is still huge. So yeah, any sort of deliveries, moving home, those are the things you, you tend to sort of rent and use. So Toyota's got two trucks. Uh, the, the, the Tacoma is the smaller of the two? Yeah, and then the Tundra is like the Ram size. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but um, so we have a friend in France uh, who's a little a little younger than us but uh we've stayed in contact she was an au pair in denver when we were there and so her niece again because you can't you can't overstate the love and connection between aunts and uncles and nieces yeah um so so uh Sonia's niece Jennifer uh, wanted to come to uh, the states, and we were in Kansas City at the time. And you know, could she stay with us? And yeah, and so um, there there were a couple of cool interactions. There was a there was a German family who spoke French and English, well, English like English speakers, but with an accent, and then they also. They had um, the kids had actually grown up in in Canada, so they all spoke Quebecois cowboy French, um, but they spoke French. So um, Jennifer didn't speak a ton of English, um, and uh, uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a funny exchange. Maybe it'll be time for it. But but uh, my country friend. Steve Pritchett was in town for work and he drove, he had just gotten a new Tundra. It was a four door. And so like uh, Mrs. Winger and I and Jennifer and uh, were out and Steve was driving. So we're at a stop, we're at a stoplight 
and somebody in like the the Scion XB, so the 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 boxy Box. one. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe the guy thought it was Fast and Furious or something, right? But he starts like revving his engine, and and Steve's real taciturn, doesn't like act out, doesn't. And and I'm thinking, you, you got to be kidding me. So Steve kind of gave it like a little rev back, and the Scion <laughs> revved more. Now in the meantime, I'm expecting a French girl to just be contemptuous of American wretched excess. Uh, you know, truth be told, I'm contemptuous of American <laughs> wretched excess half the time, but um, but not when it comes to shutting down a hipster. So uh, so anyway. This scion, so the light turns green, the scion guns it, and uh, Steve wasn't working real hard, to, and he just smoked this guy, right? Just, I mean, and you could just fee feel and hear the engine roar, and so, so Jennifer, the French girl, is like, oh, cool! And she turns out she loved trucks. So there you go. Yeah. It's just, just something about the American VA. Can't explain it. Okay. Uh, you know how everybody thinks uh, everybody's smarter if they speak with a British accent? Yeah. Uh, had an interaction with a couple of Brits today at work not true it turns out that the cousins can be just as stupid as we are has yeah, that been your so. experience yeah uh stupider even at times really <laughs> wow more often than not all right so so okay so again the geography of america is just is I, i'm struck by the geography of it all and like there are legitimate differences between the way between the Midwest, say, mm -hmm. and the Southwest. Uh, certainly the um, okay, so like the the, the left coast, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, while all being three distinct places, have almost nothing in common with the rest of the country, right? <laughs> How do you how do you account for insularity in, in, in Great Britain? Um, I think it's interesting you mentioned the differences because this is something I've noticed a lot. Whilst in America, it's on a grander scale. You've got, you know, so, you know, Texas to Oklahoma, there's a bit of difference. Not a lot, but as you know, between, yeah, between how the people think and that sort of thing. Yeah. In the UK, it's way more profound. Considering it's such a tiny island, um, you go from where I live, a place called Coventry, to literally the next town, which is maybe like a 5, 10, 50, maybe 15-minute drive. And words are different. Slang is different. People's viewpoints are different. The accent changes. Um, so you go from Coventry, where I'm from, which has a very neutral accent, to Birmingham, to the right, which has a very distinct accent. It 
right? And that's that's 10 miles, five miles even. And it changes like that. And that's that's what I find fascinating. I've noticed more and more actually being here in, in the States, um, just how the UK has somehow, and it goes back to, you know, ancient ancient times when people had their own little mini kingdom. Every 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 village was a had a lord or whatever or, or a squire who sort of oversaw everything, and that was kind of their fiefdom. Um, so so that's that to you me. You pronounce it fiefdom. Yeah, Brian, we uh, say fiefdom, right? I do. Yeah. Mm, okay. But but uh, yeah, if you go about five miles north, they say also say fiefdom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Do, do you think that that's because uh, there's not, there's not, um, I mean, pe people tend to stay where they're born? A lot in the UK. Yeah. If, if you're going to migrate anywhere, you're going to migrate to London. That's where people are going to go. Okay. Um, people aren't going to go from, say, a place called Newcastle, which is in the northeast of the country. Oh, Brian, you may remember Newcastle had a terrific brown nut ale. Newcastle yeah, brown is, ale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so if you want to, if you want to impress the locals, it's called Nuki Brown. Uh, I've actually, I've it. actually ordered a Nuki. I mean, yep. it, the, the brown was, I don't see color, Paul. <laughs> so I just ordered a Nuki. We're, we're, we're very hot on color in the UK, so. <laughs> when, when, when Sarah and I visited London and we did a pub tour, we went, now correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but there was a pub that we went to and it was just, it was just a Newcastle pub and that's, they just served like several different versions of, of Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. You get a lot of that in the UK. Yeah. Particularly because the way a lot of pubs work now they're owned by a brewery mm -hmm. um so yeah most likely that that brewery owned that pub so they would just dedicate it to to that i like the yeah. blue label it's good at, the, at that time <laughs> isn't blue label age 30 years and it's like uh, 72 dollars a shot uh that that's johnny walker blue label <laughs> But uh, I, uh, well, I don't know because I don't see color. <laughs> right. <laughs> I see the color of that drink. <laughs> <laughs> that looks delicious. Uh, um, uh, okay, okay. Okay. You know, I think that there are places in America, but Denver is not one of them. And Brian and I both grew up in Denver, albeit different decades um where okay so like i've i've referenced my old buddy joe who was from um western pennsylvania and uh you know a lot of a lot of ethnic uh folks joe himself was lebanese but i mean you know italians and slavs and and germans and you know it's like coal mining country and if you and if you can play football you have a chance of not spending your life in a coal mine and uh, but but it seemed real provincial in that like like the high school that you go to could like really like like have a have a rumble with you know, the, the high school over in St. Mary's, which is frankly five miles away. Um, 
that that was never like really a, i mean in denver and this maybe speaks to the homogeneity uh, of of the town but most of us were just going from one white suburb to another white suburb um while while i think colorado has well i mean it's got a huge hispanic influence um and um I mean, it's, it, it's uh, and there are more black folks in Colorado and in Denver uh, than there are in Oregon and Iowa, uh, but it's, it's not, it's not a predominant, I mean, it's not like a real racial thing. Uh, in fact, you remember, uh, Brian, in the early 90s, there were two, two different uh, black men running for mayor of Denver uh one was what norm early was had been the da and then wellington webb mm -hmm. uh was a chicago guy who had transplanted to denver and uh race never was like really never really came up yeah yeah i it seemed like there was a third person um anyway Anyway, um, okay, so so the geography. Oh, you know, and and um, okay. Are there? How far are you from like an American military? I mean, your town or where you grew up? How far were you from an American military base? I think the nearest one was in Oxfordshire. I think there was a, an air force base down there. So that's about an hour's drive away. Okay. Roughly. So yeah. it's not like you had GIs. No, sitting on my area. And it wasn't a big one either because the main one is over in Germany um, still. So okay. they've, they've got a big base in, in, in Germany. I know there's a big American influence still there because I worked for a German-owned company and they had like huge interest in things like the NFL, for example. The NFL? Um, Yep, in Germany, it's huge. Yeah. So they're actually playing a game in Munich next season, a regular season game. Okay, that's interesting. I'd like to hear more about that because that always seemed like, okay, so you, you'd think if, if the NFL, given, given its nature of uh, standing around and talking and then punctuating that with, mind-numbing violence um if that was going to catch on anywhere it would it would probably be germany um but the but the <laughs> brian no, nothing that's funny uh yeah the uk is going to have two games uh next season yeah okay but oh okay well so so okay so let me ask you this paul as our resident expert, as the managing expert, <laughs> managing expectations expert on all things continental, um, are, are there differences between National Football League fans in Germany and in the UK? Um, I not that, not that I know. So when they've had games previously, they've had three or four games in London in previous years pre-COVID. 
and you get fans, they sell out in a ridiculous amount of time. Um, and you get fans from all over Europe who come, but predominantly they are from either the UK or Germany. Um, and they're incredibly knowledgeable. I remember speaking to a, a co- my colleague and yeah, he would like stay up until the early hours in the morning watching the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, they're, they're really passionate about it. Do um okay so it's it's not just american expats no no No, it's it's actually a homegrown it's locals yeah i i would say the majority of them are either you know native brits or or germans actually rather than expats predominantly it just didn't it didn't seem to me for you know uh i've never looked at it but that it i mean they've been playing these games in Europe, the UK and in Germany primarily uh, for many years. And it just doesn't seem to be getting bigger. Um, so it's, it, it just kind of seems like a stunt, you know? Um, That's interesting. Cause there, there's a real push from for UK fans to try and get a team. Yeah. Wow. I've, I, and I've read that Roger Goodell wants to have a, a team in London and 2025 by 2025 wow but but why would a people who are actually satisfied with soccer uh, that's what we call football um why would people who are who are satisfied with uh what do they call it the beautiful game yeah people who are satisfied with the beautiful game want to subject their children to uh (laughs) you know multiple concussions by the time they're 30 25 (laughs) i think um the nfl is one of those things that you like to look at but you don't want to necessarily be in with too much um so you know you don't want to play it but it looks great and there's a there's a technical aspect it it's it's kind of like how football or soccer as Americans call it is trying to infiltrate in the US right so I think it's now almost overtaking baseball in terms of popularity it's getting to that sort of level in the US um, in terms of television viewership Um, and in the UK the NFL is overtaking traditional UK sports of for example cricket So it's kind of like this competing aspect of, you know, global sports trying to take over the world, trying to make as as, as much money as possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the NFL sells, sells out a 90,000-seater stadium for four games in a matter of hours. What's that? 360, 360,000 tickets. Wow. So there's definitely a desire, but I, I can't understand how the logistics would work if, for example, a Seattle Seahawks goes across to London for a game and then has to go back for a home game the week after or something. So that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I've heard um, a couple. I've heard a couple of proposals about how that could work, um, and uh, it's they're working out the details. But I mean, it's the 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 amount the exponential amount that the game the nfl has grown in the last 10 years is is phenomenal and they're like well i think that we 
there's such a strong demand for it. So um, we don't really care what the players think about flying. <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll make it work. Plus, I suppose, you know, they're not flying economy like normal people. They've, they've got pretty yeah. cushy seats and yeah. set up. Um, the other thing is, if you send people from Seattle to London, uh, they're actually like amazed at the awesome weather. <laughs> wow this place is super nice the people aren't as nice that's that that's a certainty <laughs> um this this just into the new the the managing expectations podcast command center is Paulina Gretzky the daughter of uh, Wayne Gretzky and Janet Jones? Yes. She doesn't look like a kid. She's not. I mean, no, she's she could like be in her thirties, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking of Paulinas, did you know that uh, Paulina Portskova, the what is she Czech or Polish? I think she's Czech. But Sue? she was she was married to Rick Ocasek from the Cars for all those years. Yeah, and then they they split up. She dated Aaron Sorkin. So, oh. Brainiac representing. Yeah, because it's not like Aaron Sorkin's you know so easy on the eyes, but he is rich and he's good with words. So. That helps Good on you. Yeah. All right. So let's let's uh, let's take a quick break. All right. And uh, uh, Paul, have you tried one of Mrs. Winger's bowl cozies? Yeah, they're fantastic. Well, did you know you can put it in the microwave while you eat your stuff and not burn your hands? Well, you can't eat it while it's in the microwave. I mean, uh, you say this. You got to test the boundaries, Jeff. That's not how the human race advances. <laughs> I'm not sure sticking your head in a microwave is how the human race advances either. <laughs> he said heat. He said he said heat it. Not heat it. Oh, he, oh, oh. Well, blimey, mate. It's an accent. <laughs> Misunderstood. It's your Australian accent. Uh, I presume this this episode will come out with an audio describe feature for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We'll give it an explicit rating because we don't know what you're saying. We just, we just assume it's just profanity upon profanity. This is the safest option. This is what I find. <laughs> so, uh, um, yes. Yeah, so, okay. Well, well. So, Paul, do you do you mind? I think I think people would like to hear about Mrs. Winger's bowl cozies from somebody other than me. Sure, not a problem. They are very well designed, very fashionable. What you are get they? Them in, uh, they're bowl cozies, very fashionable. So they'll go with an variety, a variety of dishware, which is great. Um, and the best part is you can put your bowl on the bowl cozy, stick it in the microwave, heat everything up together. Less burny fingers. Fantastic. Delicious hot food. Okay, Paul, we're going to just need you to do all our voiceover work <laughs> for, for our sponsors because that was pretty good. <laughs> Less Bernie fingers is oh man. <laughs>
man. Uh, uh, you want to you want to insert your product where it solves a problem. Exactly. So and, uh, Mrs. Winger has found the gap, found the need. She's got the answer. Hi, this is Jeff and Mrs. Winger's Bernie Fingers. <laughs> what what you need in the, uh, the the TV commercial that would air at like three in the morning is you with blackened fingers that have just been destroyed from all the years of taking hot bowls. <laughs> is this you? <laughs> so in the okay, so in the in the comedy uh, Arrested Development. Um, George Bluth designs a, a, a product called the corn popper. Corn baller. Which is like the corn, corn baller. Corn baller. Yeah. Corn baller. I'm sorry. And uh, what do you, I, I don't even know what it was supposed to do, but it, it turns out that everybody got Bernie fingers. So it was really just an excuse for like somebody to like touch the thing and then for them to bleep something out which seemed hilarious but then it was it was uh, banned in the u.s and could only be sold in mexico so then when the uh, adventures of the bluth family took them south of the border they would like run into people who were like scarred for life from the cornballer uh it, it was like uh, this whole this whole thing anyway uh mrs winger could have solved the cornballer problem i think so we can go to mrswinger.com and find out more, uh, not about the cornballer, but against uh, about the uh, Mrs. Winger bowl cozies and avoid those Bernie fingers. He actually, Brian, he actually said something else. It was like a, a, a variety of, he, he said something so classy. It was amazing. He, he said, like just, he, he said uh, uh, it was fantastic. No, I say that all the time and never heard that, that Not, you didn't say it like you didn't say it like he says it it was fantastic <laughs> yeah um not swedish yeah it's fantastic <laughs> oh speaking of swedish okay yeah yeah <laughs> you guys ever heard of this band called yaha <laughs> so it's, great it's an aha cover band no <laughs> aha is swedish right uh no i thought they were norwegian okay welcome to texas paul there's not a difference oh, <laughs> they're from scandinavia land that's, that's, that's all that matters <laughs> all right brian are you are you checking this for us Sometimes Brian, sometimes Brian's a fact checker and sometimes he just like organizes his Coachella photos while the rest of us talk. <laughs> Was Paulina Gretzky at Coachella this year, Brian? Yes. Okay. Um, so, AHA Norwegian. Uh, has been, what? They're, they're Norwegian. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, my bad. Oslo is still in Norway, right? Yeah, yes, it is at the moment. We'll see what Russia does, but currently it's still in Norway. <laughs> um, so Nor Norway is a NATO country. They're not. They're not uh, wannabes like Sweden and Finland. So. Pretty sure Oslo will will be in Norway a little longer than 
I don't know. They're fast tracking that anyway. Um, so, uh, okay. So Paul, I, I, I have in the last few months uh, begun subscribing to Apple music. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, they offer music videos in addition to, you know, okay. Yeah. So aha was on um, uh, MTV in the last few years. And uh, okay. So first of all, remember, remember from that, um, music video from what well, it must have been 83 yeah the um, one that was like drawn in uh 2b pencil. yeah it was like live action and then also illustrated very very cutting edge video uh effects um so so the guy was really handsome right quite quite the heartthrob and uh, so it turns out he's you know he's well into his 50s and guess what He's still amazingly handsome. Now he 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 just looks like like a, an aging like like a really cool college professor, you know. And um, you know, I think he I think he was maybe wearing puka beads, which would be a deal breaker for Mrs. Winger. <laughs> but I mean, come on, come on, fellas, she's got me. Like like she wants a Norwegian. <laughs> a fit norwegian you know superstar millionaire you'd think right i mean they just i mean they 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 just seem together you know like oh yeah we took our money from america and now we all have great places on a fjord and um anyway so so like they do a slow version of take on me okay get get this just real quick he's 62 No way. Yes. Oh. That's crazy. What's his name? Morton Harkett. I don't believe you. Okay. Was he at Coachella? He could have been. <laughs> they would they would have let him in. They would have tent. He went in your him, tent. Yeah, it wasn't my tent. They would have let him in though, looking like that. <laughs> because he looks fantastic well yeah. i don't know how i don't know how long ago this this mtv unplugged thing was but um it, it was it was a little ridiculous because okay because like so they do this like solo acoustic version of take on me which is actually kind of good and um but they keep cutting from what's his name morton Magnus, morton. Morton. morton morton harkin they keep cutting from him to like these 55 year old blonde women in the audience, you know, and they're like, they're like crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. Um, anyway, it sounded pretty good. Um, okay. So, uh, let's see. Uh, so, so Jennifer, uh, let's see, big trucks. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, I, had to do, I had to do my taxes for the first time. That was fun. That's a unique. Uh, that's a that's a uniquely American experience. You guys, what you don't pay income taxes in? England? It's just all. It's just all automatically deducted by, and calculated by the 
governing body that looks after it all. So the UK version of the IRS just does it all. Is that so, the exchequer? No, that's so the chancellor of the exchequer is the guy, like the finance minister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but no, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC, is the uh, tax tax body. HMRC. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, taxes are something Americans don't like. Yeah. Um, Going way back. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if you're still sore about it, but it was a tax on on tea that kind of got the ball rolling. It's it's why everyone on the Managing Expectations podcast doesn't talk exactly like you. <laughs> it's still a sore subject. We're still not even ready to teach it in schools yet. What happened? So they just gloss <laughs> over that whole period. It's just it's like a blank page in the in British history, and then we just move on to like you know. Potentially left <laughs> Correct. Yeah, we took over America. And then we just didn't. We didn't bother with it anymore. You know what? It was our choice. We left. <laughs> <laughs> the <clears throat> so I I just I just uh, I've been trying to cut down on stupid podcasts, and I I've been listening to uh, audio books, and I just re. I, I, having previously read it, I just listened to uh, Hillary Mantel's um, Wolf Hall. You guys, Brian, you've read it, right? Or your have wife a, has? I haven't read it, but uh, two, at least two members of my family have. Um, so it's it's a historical it's a historical novel about uh, Henry VIII, and well, it's really about Thomas Cromwell. So, Paul, how how is Thomas Cromwell taught in to, to school children? Uh, quite detailed, really. really? Um, yeah, pivotal figure. I mean, in in UK history. Yeah. Um, because really, up until Thomas Cromwell, it was all the line of the royals, and they were the be all and end all. Um, in, in the UK, there, there was a parliament, but it was more of a. Um, so what I'm looking for. It didn't have anywhere near as much power. Uh, More like a gentleman's club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which you know, Brian, not to... the kind where you have to get the glitter <laughs> off of you before you go home. Oh, okay. I was thinking, wow, that's something. <laughs> More like, what was it? What was in it? Phineas Fogg? Phineas Fogg and uh, Around the World in 80 Days. You know, like yeah. you... Uh, th that sort of gentleman's club where there's like a globe that's about eight feet in diameter and you know huge mahogany bookcases and overstuffed leather chairs yeah that's pretty well, much I, I guess that's, that's pretty that's, much that's like pretty my much, office isn't it fellas exactly that's exactly what your office is that, that's that's what we would call the house of lords in the uk <laughs> basically yeah jobs for the boys Okay, so so uh, uh, all right, so so to the extent that Americans are familiar with Thomas Cromwell, um, Robert Shaw played Thomas Cromwell in the movie A Man for All Seasons. It was a play by a guy named Robert Bolt 
Um, it was ad adopted, adapted to the screen in the 60s. Paul Schofield played Thomas More, and uh, Robert Shaw, who uh, longtime listeners of the Managing Expectations podcast know, Brian and I are huge fans, just as his for his portrayal of Quint in uh, Jaws. He was also great as the bad guy in uh, The Sting. Sting. The Sting. Yeah. Yeah. You, fo you follow. You savvy? Yeah. The, um, the, the Sting is one of my favorite movies. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. Did you like it better in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I like a, a caper sort of movie. You know where I like my capers? On my salads. <laughs> On my locks. <laughs> okay. So uh, anyway, in A Man for All Seasons, he really plays like a mustache twirling villain. You know, he's just, just a greasy, mean, dastardly rapscallion of a man. And, and, you know, when uh, Thomas More is portrayed as this, you know, paragon of virtue, they leave out the part where he like burned Lollards and anyone else who got sideways with him alive at the stake. I don't know, I don't know how people can forget that part, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, so, so Thomas Cromwell was vital in making English governance not all about the monarchy. Yeah, okay. and, and, and really sort of laid, laid the foundations, if you like, for, for what came um, about a century or so later with well I don't remember how long it was actually Oliver Cromwell who was the one who basically led the the revolt against um King Charles I think it was at the time we're American we don't know you just make up a name if it sounds British one of the kings anyway he, yeah he, he's his his sort of foundation led to a rising of normal people believing that they could what kind of people Normal, normal people, non, no, normal. non, non, non blue blooded people could, you know, actually govern themselves, as it were. Now, I talked to a guy in London and, and he said it would have been horrible to live under Oliver Cromwell. I yeah. mean, because because he was what he was kind of a, a Puritan in his, yeah. in his views. I mean, so I mean, if you didn't hew to his theology, you you were fair game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Whereas between, I mean, between Thomas Cromwell and Oliver Cromwell, I mean, uh, England was pretty tolerant. I mean, became pretty tolerant, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially after Henry, Henry VIII effectively split with the Catholic Church and the England and the UK became what is now known as the Church of England, branch of Christianity as its main, main religion, um, you know, because he wanted to marry as many women as he wanted rather than 
and stick to one wife forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the idea though that the the entirety. I mean, th- this is a ridiculous simplification, but that's never stopped me before. The idea that um, Western his Western civilization pivoted on the libido of Henry VIII, of Henry Tudor, is is just unbelievable. I mean, the, the thing is, the Reformation was a real thing, regardless of, of who Henry was married to, or divorcing, or whatever, or, or drumming up charges against. But um, is it, is, isn't it accurate, as far as we know, that the fact that the kingdom of England got behind it added heft that that just um, a tolerant regime in Antwerp uh, couldn't have done because the 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 power of the Catholic Church was entirely engaged in uh uniformity yeah yeah Uh, well and even okay and and, i mean look i mean john john calvin and martin luther burned people at the stake who didn't believe in him you know Mm -hmm. there was a guy um trying to think i think he was swiss michael servetus like unitarian universalist still kind of go with i mean like every once in a while you'll see a servetus church um his he he was a scientist he's the guy that discovered that there were blood vessels in the in hum, in the lungs and so started to figure out that like oh well so when you breathe you're oxygenating oxygen oxygenating the blood which courses through your body and he was killed for not believing in the Trinity. He renounced the Trinity, which was, and so I think, I think the deal was, I mean, it, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's unbelievable stuff. I mean, it's like Luther couldn't get his hands on him. So he burned him in effigy. And then Calvin did get his hands on him and he burned him actually, you know. And you know, you're talking to an American audience when you have to explain that effigy isn't the next village over from you know Bruges. yeah right <laughs> okay um yeah so anyway Hil- hillary mantel's wolf hall and then it, it, it's a three-part it's a three-part it's it, it's what they call a trilogy you know when i was when i was a, when i was a kid and i first saw that word i was pronouncing a triology and I, I, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, you know, William Shakespeare invented words. So. Sure did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the last word I made up, Brian? Homicidiacal? Yeah. Yeah. And in Brian's magnanimosity, he let that go. I was going to say that if you keep if you say the reformation reformation one more time, Sarah Grimm will just appear. <laughs> <laughs> Is she more? 
like saying pumpkin spice into a mirror makes a white girl appear. Yeah, yeah, Ella, Ella will appear. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Sarah's more uh, taken by the period of the Reformation than anything Jane Austen. I thought she was like all about Jane Austen. She she loves all of it. I mean, if she knew that Paul was here with us today, this would be a three-hour podcast. Well, first, well, then, you know what that tells me is we need to have Paul back. We should have Paul back. <laughs> yeah. The problem with having Paul back is um, he's got an Android, so he makes all of our, our messages uh, green. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. There's always WhatsApp. Oh, sure. You'd like that, wouldn't you? You just got <laughs> in bed with Meta. You're already in the system, Jeff. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so this, this episode of the Managing Expectations podcast has been brought to you by MrsWinger.com. Uh, take it from um, uh, our classy pitch man, uh, the bowl cozies are totally worth checking out. Also, our totally classy t-shirt model, Paul Southern, wants you to go to managingexpectationspodcast.com and check out um, uh, the t-shirts and stickers. We're, we're talking about uh, having a couple of other uh, variations of uh, the logo that's come to be known as Big Big Face. And then... Um, uh, finally, uh, uh, well, not finally, uh, there's the Chris Levine podcast. Uh, what's it called, Brian? Refresher. Refresher. The pop, the pop culture therapy podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he does some really fun stuff. He, he does, uh, he can talk about music without playing it. That really is very, very interesting. And then finally, finally now, uh, allinadream.us, um, comics and books in the heart of Denver, Colorado, allinadream.us. Paul, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. This, has been, this has been really enjoyable. I appreciate it. I'll come back anytime. All right. Very good. Well, you know what I'm thinking we should do? We should we should like watch Hunt for Red October and then like have just like a special features breakdown of everything that's awesome about it. That would be about an eight hour podcast. Yeah, it'd be a 10 parter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll get us through the 4th of July, which Paul would like to forget all about. Never happened. I'm actually here as part of a sleeper cell. I'm not supposed to say anything, but <laughs> in England, instead of having a leap year, they just go from January 3rd to January the 5th <laughs> or July. Oh, right. It would be a funnier, it would be a funnier joke if I, yeah, if I, yeah, it's good thinking. All right. Okay, uh, well, uh, uh, that's it uh, for this episode of the Managing Expectations podcast. We're very happy that you joined uh, uh, me, Jeff Winger, Brian Grimm, and special guest Paul Southern. 
So uh, in closing, we just like to say, tea and crumpets.